Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of March 24. In the news. An Armenian soldier is killed by Azerbaijani fire near the village of Yerasch in Armenia. While in Talish, now under Azerbaijani control, Azerbaijan's president, Ilham Aliyev, makes threatening statements against Armenia. And Armenia's constitutional court announces a decision declaring obligations enshrined in the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court to be constitutional. Tensions have escalated once again on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border. On March 22, an Armenian serviceman was killed by Azerbaijani gunfire in a military position near the village of Yerasch, bordering the Azerbaijani exclave of Nakhichevan. The day before, an Armenian contract serviceman crossed mistakenly into Azerbaijani-controlled territory while transporting food to an outpost in low visibility conditions and foggy weather. He was later found by search and rescue teams the following day. In addition to this, on May 21, one Russian serviceman came under Azerbaijani fire when participating in the search and rescue operations for the Armenian servicemen. The governor's office in Sunik reported that two Russian soldiers were treated in the Goris Medical Center for minor head injuries. The Russian side has yet to comment on the incident. Throughout the week, Azerbaijan has continued to spread disinformation, accusing Armenia of transferring weapons to Artsakh through unused dirt roads. Yerevan also denied Baku's accusations of violating the ceasefire on several occasions, Azerbaijan's President Aliyev accused Armenia of abusing the presence of the European Union's monitoring mission to pursue a policy aimed at deliberately escalating the situation. During the week, Azerbaijani armed forces also fired at farmers in Artsakh carrying out agricultural work. Over the weekend, during his visit to the village of Talish, formerly part of Artsakh's Mardagert region, Azerbaijan's president once again threatened Armenia. As a reminder, the village came under Azerbaijan's control after the 44-day war in 2020, last week, 20 Azerbaijani families settled in the village where Azerbaijan uh, had renovated homes and infrastructure following the war. Baku intends to settle 180 families in Talish. Aliyev stated that Armenia has not yet learned lessons from the 44-day war, accusing Yerevan of making territorial claims against Azerbaijan. He went on to warn the Armenian leadership and certain countries that stand behind Armenia to refrain from those dirty deeds. No external force can shatter the will of the state and the people of Azerbaijan, he noted. Aliyev went on to say that there is one condition for Armenians to live comfortably on 29,000 square kilometers. This obviously excludes Artsakh and pertains to to the Republic of Armenia, that Armenia must accept Baku's conditions, officially recognize Gharapagh as the territory of Azerbaijan, sign a peace treaty, and carry out delimitation work according to their conditions. If Armenia does not recognize our territorial integrity, we will not recognize their territorial integrity either. Armenia and the hypocritical countries behind it should know what the result will be, Azerbaijan's leader said. So it's the clearest definition of what Azerbaijan is trying to do when uh, they uh, attack Sunik or Armenia's border. Mm -hmm. Well, it's... 101. Well, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan responded to Aliyev's threats during yesterday's cabinet meeting. He stated that despite Azerbaijan's disruptive behavior, there will be a peace treaty that will be based on written documents agreed upon by Yerevan and Baku. Pashinyan noted that the leadership of Azerbaijan shows its model of guaranteeing the rights and security of the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh or their integration 
by demolishing the houses owned by Armenians in Talish and building homes for Azerbaijanis instead. He called Aliyev's remarks an act of aggression against the Republic of Armenia and a gross violation of previously agreed-upon commitments. Pashinyan noted that Azerbaijan's repeated violations of agreements have made it necessary for Yerevan to continue pushing for reliable international negotiation mechanisms to ensure the successful implementation of both the Armenian-Azerbaijan peace treaty and the Stepanakert-Baku dialogue concerning the security and rights of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. He went on to say that Azerbaijan's unpunished violations of internationally reached agreements embolden it to initiate new provocations. Pashinyan noted that it's obvious that Azerbaijan is, you know, somewhat pushing the situation to a new escalation. According to him, this is further substantiated by the so-called Western Azerbaijan narrative promoted at the state level in Azerbaijan, which is an open act of encroachment on the sovereign territory of the Republic of Armenia. And during a weekly briefing, Russia's foreign ministry representative Maria Zakharova expressed concern about the growing tensions on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border and line of contact in Artsakh. She noted an increase in hostile rhetoric and incidents in Nagorno-Karabakh and criticized the party's lack of willingness to compromise on resolving the situation around the Lachin Corridor. I like it when it's my turn and I get to read my Maria Zakharova. <laughs> you like her every week. <laughs> Well, Zakharova also went on to criticize the involvement of the West and the EU in the Armenia-Azerbaijan normalization process, like she does every week, stating that as the EU mission in Armenia appeared in the region, large-scale problems immediately also appeared. Arsakh has been under blockade for 103 days now, with Azerbaijan arbitrarily cutting off and restoring gas supplies. The line that supplies electricity to Arsakh from Armenia remains unrepaired and there is no indication of when it will be restored and I'm glad like Zakharova noticed that something is off this week. At a U.S. Senate Committee on Foreign Relations hearing on March 23, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said he is, quote, pressing on Azerbaijan, including as recently as this week, to reopen the Lachin Corridor. And also this week, the Azerbaijani ambassador to the Netherlands was summoned to the Dutch Foreign Ministry to communicate the need to fully implement the ICGA decision and unblock the Lachin Corridor. The Dutch Foreign Minister said the Netherlands has repeatedly raised its concerns about the humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh resulting from the blockade of the Lachin Corridor at several occasions, including in bilateral talks with Azerbaijani authorities. On March 22, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, PACE, co-rapporteurs for the monitoring of obligations and commitments by Armenia, shared their findings with the PACE Monitoring Committee following their visit to Armenia on February 17-19. to 19. They observed that movement along the Lachin Corridor is, quote, severely obstructed, making the transport of some essential supplies impossible. The situation could soon result in a humanitarian crisis, the report said, and they also called on Azerbaijan to authorize an independent fact-finding mission and to allow independent journalists to operate freely in the whole area. And at the moment, uh, journalists, Armenian journalists, foreign journalists, we have no way of um, getting there to try and report on Maybe the we should try those dirt roads that Azerbaijan <laughs> keeps refer- uh, referring to. Well, at the same day, the Committee on Legal Affairs and Human Rights of PACE adopted a statement expressing great concern by the humanitarian crisis unfolding due to the ongoing obstruction of the Lachin Corridor. The committee also called on the Azerbaijani authorities to implement without delay the measures addressed to it by the International Court of Justice and the European Court of Human Rights. This week, during a Q&A, 
Q&A session in Parliament, Armenia's Foreign Minister Arat Mirzoyan said Armenia does not and will not negotiate on the issue of setting up a checkpoint on the Lachin Corridor. He reiterated the Armenian official position that the operation of the corridor is already regulated by the November 9th statement, which said that it should be under the control of the Russian peacekeepers. Also on March 20, during hearings at the Parliamentary Committee on Legal Affairs, Yerushegi Ragosian, Armenia's representative on international legal matters, said Armenia is working in the direction of raising the issue of Azerbaijan's non-compliance with their provisional order of the ICJ on unblocking the Lachin Corridor at the UN Security Council. Yiragosian reiterated that the ICJ ruling is binding and Azerbaijan must comply with it. He also said that Article 94 of the UN Charter provides for a certain narrow description pertaining to the rulings, but attempts in the past to bring those rulings on provisional measures before the UN Security Council had failed. This week, Foreign Minister Arad Mirzoyan was in Moscow, where he had talks with his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov. During a joint press conference, Lavrov said they discussed in detail ways to resolve the situation around the Lachin Corridor and in Nagorno-Karabakh. Lavrov stated that the problem of the Lachin Corridor should be considered exclusively within the context of the tripartite agreements of the leaders of Armenia, Russia, and Azerbaijan, especially the November 9 statement. Lavrov also said Russia supports direct talks between representatives of Gharapagh and Baku. Talking about the rights of the Artsakh Armenians, Lavrov mentioned the examples of Donbass in eastern Ukraine and the Serbs of Kosovo, where they were granted rights to language, local self-government, education, culture, religion, special economic ties with their compatriots, Russia and Serbia respectively. The Gharapagh people will need the same set of rights as in any similar situation, Lavrov said. And in response, Armenia's ambassador at large, Edmond Marukian, tweeted today that with its entire legal and political history, Nagorno-Karabakh is incomparable with Donetsk, Lugansk, or the Serbs of Kosovo because it has always been an autonomy and a self-proclaimed state in the last 30 years. Marukian emphasized that the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict predates the collapse of the USSR, unlike the cases listed. Hence, while looking for a solution to the Nagorno-Karabakh problem, the international community should take into account the entire historical, legal, political background. Otherwise, any solution built upon irrelevant examples will lead to the deepening of the problem and its non-resolution, Marukyan said. On March 20, Armenia's Prime Minister Pashinyan had a phone call with the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, according to Pashinyan's press office. They discussed the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh and Armenia-Azerbaijan relations. The U.S. Secretary of State reaffirmed his call for the immediate reopening of the Lachin Corridor. Uh, many calls. and <laughs> You know, there's this Armenian saying, <laughs> we've said it a hundred times. It's literally 103 times now. Yeah, indeed. Well, during uh, the U.S. Senate Foreign Affairs Committee hearing, coming back to that, Senator Bob Menendez, the chair of the committee, asked Antony Blinken, why the U.S. would want to provide military education and training to an aggressor state, he was referring to Azerbaijan, that attacks its neighbors and violates the rights of its citizens. In response, the Secretary of State noted that there are some very practical reasons for military assistance to Azerbaijan and the Section 907 waiver. According to Blinken, one of the reasons is to strengthen the interoperability between Azerbaijani U.S. and NATO forces as they engage in peacekeeping and have 
have a long border with Iran that needs defending. Speaking about Armenia-Azerbaijan relations, Blinken said that there's an opportunity to actually uh, bring about a peace agreement between Armenia and Azerbaijan. We've worked on a text, and this is not something that we're imposing on Armenia. We're answering the strong desire expressed by Armenia to see if we can help them reach an agreement which would end at last the 30-plus years of conflict, Blinken said. But it seems that he's putting the onus on Armenia, um, but nonetheless... And speaking of Iran, uh, this week Iran's Deputy Foreign Minister Ali Bagheri was in Yerevan where he met with Foreign Minister Mirzoyan and Security Council Secretary Armen Grigorian. They discussed a number of issues on the bilateral agenda and the latest developments of the security situation in the region were also discussed. Bagheri told reporters in Yerevan that Armenia is of great importance to Iran's foreign policy priorities and that Iran is committed to being a reliable partner in establishing peace and security in the region. He also noted that regional countries themselves are the guarantors of peace and stability and that foreign forces cannot ensure stability and peace as they may pursue other goals. This week, the U.S. State Department published its 2022 country reports on human rights practices among significant human rights issues in Armenia. The report lists torture by members of the security forces, harsh prison conditions, arbitrary arrest or detention, serious problems with judicial independence, arbitrary or unlawful interference with privacy, restrictions on freedom of expression, crimes involving violence or threats of violence, targeting civil society figures, and LGBT plus community and the worst forms of child labor. Sounds so ominous. Anyway, the report also notes that the government took only limited steps to investigate and punish alleged abuses by former and current government officials and law enforcement authorities. The report on Azerbaijan states that there were incidents of violence between Armenia and Azerbaijan which resulted in casualties and detentions. There were reports that Azerbaijani forces engaged in unlawful killings and cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment of Armenian forces in September. It goes on to say that there were credible reports that Azerbaijani forces abused soldiers held in custody after the September 2022 fighting and that Azerbaijan's government prosecuted Armenian civilians and service members it took into custody both during the 2020 Artsakh war and following the November 2020 ceasefire in trials that lacked due process. The report also mentioned the execution of Armenian soldiers, a video of which was disseminated on October 2, 2022, and the mutilation of the bodies of Armenian female service uh, members. Regarding Azerbaijan's blockade of the Lachin Corridor, the report states that from December 12 through the end of the year, Azerbaijani protesters, widely believed to be backed by the country's authorities, blocked the sole road connecting Nagorno-Karabakh with Armenia via the Lachin Corridor, leaving it inaccessible to most civilian and commercial traffic. Human Rights Watch called on those in control of the road and the area around it, including the country's authorities, to ensure that freedom of movement was not stopped. And today, the Constitutional Court of Armenia announced a decision declaring the obligations enshrined in the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court to be constitutional. Armenia signed the ICC's founding treaty back in October of 1999, but it had not yet ratified it uh, due in part to a prior decision of the Constitutional Court in 2004, deeming the Rome Statute to be incompatible with Armenia's Constitution of 1995. The Constitutional Court's latest decision now gives Armenia the green light, should it so wish, to ratify the Rome Statute and become a full 
full-fledged member of the International Court of Justice. And today we just published an article by Sheila Pailan uh, that says that in the wake of the arrest warrants, referring to Vladimir Putin's arrest warrant that was issued by the ICC, there's been serious debate as to the desirability and consequences for Armenia to follow through with ratifying the Rome Statute, according to some experts. There are concerns that if Armenia does join the ICC, Russia will try to, quote, punish us in every possible way, and in case of Putin's visit, Armenia will have to arrest him. Others argue that Armenia should not deviate from uh, the ratification, and that even facilitating Putin's arrest is in the interest of Armenia. It was a fascinating article, um, and uh, our listeners should definitely read it to get a deeper understanding of the situation. Well, you know how we uh, always say we should think of something to put Armenia on the map. In <laughs> <laughs> um, other news, this week, uh, Armenia's ruling civil contract party announced Anahit Minasyan, Deputy Prosecutor General, as its nominee for the Human Rights Defenders position. The position has been vacant since January when Kristine Grigorian resigned, citing another job opportunity as a reason. Grigorian served as Armenia's ombudsperson for less than a year. Yesterday, the Armenian government decided to um, hold military training for reserve forces from April 15 to June 15. The training will involve up to 953 citizens. Amendments to Armenia's labor law were also approved by the government, which will enable reservists to retain their salary while undergoing training because there was a lot of discussion. You know, They were taking reservists for three months away from their families, away from their jobs, and it, it become um, Problematic. Right, right. So it's... Good move, I suppose. And last week we reported that the Yerevan Mayor Hachia Sarkisian resigned. First Deputy Mayor Levon Hovanisian will serve as acting mayor. My predictions were not right, Maria. I <laughs> thought it would be, week. yes. The city council has one month to nominate and elect a new mayor, or the government will dissolve the council and announce municipal elections. And as a reminder, Yerevan municipal elections are set to take place this year in September. The candidate for the ruling civil contract party is Dikran Avinyan. You weren't so off, uh, Rubina. And shall we talk about the trees let's talk about the trees okay so we (laughs) i'm mostly off facebook so i don't follow it as much but i know that there's been a lot of outrage about the city cutting down a lot of trees and replacing them with new ones and everyone is outraged so you have a better well, we're talking mainly about place. at this point. They have plans to do so in other parts of the city as well. But we're talking about mainly right in front of Cascot, where Tamanian statue is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, not that many trees, but they were all beautiful trees. And everyone's outraged. Why are you cutting these trees? And no one seems to be listening to the explanation the authority, the city authorities are giving. They need to check it. We need to check their information and follow up that mm-hmm. it, they followed through. And they seem to have so far in one day. But what they're saying is that these trees were almost at the end of their lifespan and they were not functioning, that they were not clearing the air as they should, even though they looked lively, but they weren't. And within a couple of years, they would start falling. So they preemptively decided to bring other trees in, which are not like tiny trees. These are almost grown mm-hmm, trees, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. which they have been growing, some of them in Dilijan for some years now for this purpose, and replace the trees. It kind of sounds Sounds like a good idea because we we don't know what's a good idea like anymore. Sounds like we're right? planning ahead for once <laughs> in the city, <laughs> uh, which we never Sorry, do. Sorry, making me laugh this week, but yeah, the, the one time we want to plan ahead, we don't know how to deal with it. We're, yeah, we're we're traumatized. Why are you planning ahead? Let's wait for the trees to die a natural death. I don't know, but uh, definitely we need to 
follow up and, and uh, make sure they're make doing sure what they're that saying. these are the kinds that will survive in Yerevan because a lot of people have expressed concern whether or not this because everybody's an expert on trees now. Yes. Oh, okay. We're done with politics, security, now it's trees. Well, anyway, as you said, we will be following up to make sure that uh, these trees are what they say they are. And and many of those trees, like you were saying, that they had cut, they were actually hollow Hollow inside. inside. Yeah. And this week, let's end on a positive note for once, uh, if this is a positive note. National Geographic called on travelers to come to Armenia starting March to, quote, explore the depths of the Caucasus Mountains on hiking trails, swim in thermal pools, overhanging verdant gorges, or roam around city parks turned technicolor in the springtime bloom. And actually, now they cut down the trees, it's not going to be possible. (laughs) There are a lot of really pretty trees that have already bloomed in Yerevan. It's uh, very refreshing. And it recommends the Transcaucasian Trail for hiking, Jermuk for spa breaks, the Debet Canyon for nature lovers, and Gyumri for cultural explorations. So come to Armenia. We'd love to host you. And that's the kind of week we've had. It was kind of short this week, the weekend review, wasn't it? We've gotten used to it. We're well trained by now. Have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we will be back again next week. Mm-hmm.